Romans chapter 12 and verse 9 says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. And be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs and pursue hospitality. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. As we open it today, I thank you, Lord, that you open our eyes to the wonders of it. Incline our ear to what you would say. Open our eyes uh, to see the way that you see. Unite our hearts in your presence. And I thank you that you satisfy our souls as only you can. Holy Spirit, translate to each heart and mind and person as we have need today, as only you are able and you are so capable of doing it. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're continuing on uh, this little mini-series. I think this may be the last week. We'll see what the Lord does. Uh, From a question in our question box. The question was, in John chapter 4, when Jesus is meeting with the woman at the well in Samaria, And he tells her that the time is coming and now is when you will worship the Lord, not on this mountain there in Samaria or at the temple, but you will worship him in spirit and in truth. And he says that, but he doesn't go into a lot of detail explaining it. Right. And we we learn that worship, the word worship, uh, while when we sing, we are worshiping. It's more than worship. Uh, The literal translation from that word is to puppy. Right. To kiss towards you think of a puppy licking somebody's face or or their hand. It's that uh, level of excitement and affection that is being used in the word worship. And he said, you'll worship in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. And so he must be worshiped in spirit and in truth. Spirit meaning he's everywhere. So we worship where? Everywhere. Everywhere that we go. Again, it is singing. It is when we gather together. But our life can, should be worshiped to him in spirit and in truth or as he has made himself known. And in the back part of the question is, does Romans 12 have anything to do with that? And absolutely it does, because Paul says there, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercy of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That is your true worship, the CSB says, or your reasonable service you know, looking back at that temple worship, he said, that is your worship, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may know or discern what is that good and pleasing and perfect will of God. So we talked about that. And then we went on in Romans chapter 12, where he says, by the grace of God given to me, I'm going to let you know that we are a body in Christ, that we're different that we're diverse, but we're brought together into unity by him as only he could do it. And that's going to come with different gifts. We are gifted in different ways. And he goes into talking about those who prophesy, let them do it in proportion to their faith. Those who uh, do it in service, uh, let them use that grace in service. If teaching, then in teaching. If exhorting, use that grace in exhortation, in giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy and cheerfulness. We use the example that it, that it takes all of us, right? For the body of Christ to be in action and to be of value to those around us, it takes 
All of us. And we use the example at the end of the service last week, should the church be like a hospital? Because you hear people say that the church should be like a hospital. It should be a place where unwell people can go uh, and receive care and help. And my point in using that was that the church should be like a hospital in that they have to have a lot of employees. They have to have a lot of people there. And I did get challenged on that after service, and I appreciate that. Somebody said, I don't know if we should be like a hospital. Some hospitals are terrible. And that's exactly right. That's exactly right. We should be like that hospital if Christ was in charge, right? If he was the one running it. And it was that love and compassion. But the idea being that it's going to take all of us. So you, you have this picture of our life being worship to God. And we're walking together as the body of Christ. Each one of us different from another. Some of us very different from one another. Yet he's joined us together in unity. He's gifted us differently. We're walking in these gifts that he's outlined here in Romans 12. And the ones that aren't even listed here, but are listed elsewhere. And then it brought up another question that thankfully the scripture answers for us. What, What does it look like? For him to be in charge of our Christian life as we're walking through this life as Christians, as a living sacrifice, which is our true worship. We're walking as part of the body by the grace that's given to us. We've got these different gifts. We're diverse. How then do we live? How do we walk together? How do we conduct ourselves? What do we do now? Because all of that is pretty powerful stuff. And thankfully, he frames it up for us. Anything in the Bible, anything in Christian life that is powerful or dynamic or could uh, cause an amazing thing to happen or an explosion to happen, right? Good or, you know, not as good. He always frames it up and says, based on this, walk this way. And thankfully, Romans 12 leads us more into that. We're going to look at that kind of like this is how you're supposed to relate to one another. And maybe it's going to predict who will win the Super Bowl. Probably not. But it could, but it probably won't. But it might. So you got to pay attention to that. But how then do we live? And I read that to start us off. Right after he finishes talking about the gifts, he goes into, here's how you frame this up. And verse 9 starts with the very first thing. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy or love like this. Love this way. And we see that first and foremost, there is supposed to be love present in the body. Right? Love for one another. It's a fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit of God that lives on the inside of us is growing that fruit of love for one another. It should be present. And not only should it be present, but it should be without hypocrisy. And that's a word we saw Jesus use in the Gospels. Paul uses it here. And we have an idea for what it means. For them, it was an acting term, a theater term that they kind of co-opted and used in a different way. It meant someone in the play who says their lines from behind a mask. The actor who was wearing a mask because they were pretending to be somebody that they weren't. See how that works? If you're in a play and you had to wear a costume or wear a mask, you would have been the hypocrite. You would have been the actor who was saying their lines 
from behind a mask. When we have love in the body, he's saying, let it be actual, genuine love. And you're not being fake, right? You're not acting. It's love. You do love one another. We know that love is the tie that binds us together. Not necessarily liking, right? We don't have to always like each other. Liking is a little bit more emotional, a little bit more temperamental. It can change. Love is, is like a core decision, isn't it? A core decision. You, you can love me and not always like me. Ask my wife and kids. Right? They're not here. Luke popped a little bit of a low-grade fever this morning, so Kelly had to stay home with him. But she tells me lots of times, I just don't like you today. She loves me, but she'll say, I don't like you today. I'm like, well, okay, we're going to work on that and hope for next time. Hopefully tomorrow's better. Right. But that liking is temperamental. That liking can change. That liking is based on what's been going on. But love is that core decision. And when it's saying let love be without hypocrisy, it means don't let it be fake. It's not acting. It, it, it even that word has a little bit of tone of deceit to it. I'm going to say I love you. I'm going to act like I love you. But I really I don't. I don't. I don't love you. That, that's love with hypocrisy. He's saying let it be without hypocrisy. Let your love for one another be genuine. Be, be, be sincere. It's like, how do we do that? We go back to verse 2 of Romans 12, where he said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's going to teach us to think like he thinks. He's going to teach us to see others the way that he sees others, specifically the others in the body of Christ is who this is referring to so that we can understand and discern what his will is, what he's doing, what he's working on in us, around us, in our atmospheres and environments that we're in, what he is doing, we can understand it. And when we have an understanding of what he's doing, we understand the value that one another have. When I see you the way that he sees you, I can't help but love you. And when I see that we've been placed in the body together, I see your value, right? Let love be without hypocrisy. We love because we have been loved and now we see each other differently. It's that grace through faith. I know he's given you grace. He's given me grace. I can give you grace because I see the way that he sees. Let love be without hypocrisy. Then he says, detest what is evil. And cling to what is good or abhor evil and cling to what is good. We should be surprised or revolted when we're confronted with evil. Like, ooh, this is not right. This shouldn't be here. This isn't, I don't need this to be a part of me or around me. And then cling to, stick to, adhere to, hang on to what is good. And when I read that, I see those are active words, right? To, 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 to push away evil and to cling to, hold fast to what is good. We see what's needed. I'm resisting and I'm reaching. Evil is a downhill slide. If you don't do anything else, that's where you can land. It's easy to roll downhill, right? It's harder to climb uphill. You have to put forth effort. 
It doesn't happen automatically. It's a conscious choice that you're making to move uphill or to cling to what is good. It reminded me of an old quote that I heard about how we can't have uphill dreams and downhill habits. Right? We can't have dreams of being at the top of the hill, but habits that keep me rolling backwards. And that's what he's saying. Abhor evil. Don't let it be a part of you, your thought process, your actions, what you're doing. Abhor evil. Detest it, but cling to what is good. Conscious effort. Resist. Like James said, resist the devil. He'll flee. Submit to God. Right. It's two parts. And we know that takes activity from us. He goes on. In verse 10, let's reread that one. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Or yours may say, be devoted to one another. He uses two love words there. To talk about this family type of love that we're supposed to have one with another. One of them is, uh, I'll try to say it's in Greek, philostorgos, family love. It's like a parent for their children, a husband for a wife. That, that union of a family. He said this family love, cling to one another in brotherly love, Philadelphia. I don't know. I don't think it's a prediction because Kansas City is not in Greek. Uh, chief is in the Bible. I would say of all the sinners, I am the chief. So I don't know. You take those two. Maybe you can. Or maybe it's just football. Maybe it's just going to be a football game. We'll see. We'll see. I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't think I usually start watching it. And then I, when something happens, I see if it makes me excited or like, oh, and then I know who I'm rooting for. If I don't already have somebody in there, that's how I figure it out. But he's mixing these two love terms together. Brotherly love, Philadelphia, family love, uh, philo, storgos. You're not just friends, you're a family. And be devoted to your family. You know, you have to try really hard to run off good family, don't you? I mean, you have, I mean, if you got good people, good family, you're having to try really, really, really hard to run them off. Really hard. Most folks, when they have a good family and they can't run them off, what they do, they're like, I'm just going to run off. I can't run y'all off. I'm just going to run off from y'all. Why? Because good family is hard to run off. It's that deep, devoted, lasting connection. And he's pointing out, this is what you need in the body. Not just to see value in one another, not just to love one another, but love one another like Family speaks to that depth of connection that grows out of relationship and can only come from the grace of God that he's put on the each one of us. Right. It means that if something happens, you're ready to roll out for your brothers and sisters in the faith, just like you would for the brothers or sisters of your own household. I've used the example before. Be like being at Walmart. You're in the checkout line and somebody says, there's a fight out front. You're like, oh, OK. Compared to if they said, hey, there's a fight out front. Somebody's trying to whoop Richard Hobson. Right. 
All of a sudden, I'm moving out from where I am to where they told me that was. Why? Because I've got family out there that somebody's trying to whoop on. We may get whooped together. But we're going to get whooped together. I'm going to be running out there going, gosh, I hope Ethan and Aaron are with him. (laughs) But if not, we'll still stand shoulder to shoulder. Why? Because he's my brother. He's like my family. He is my family in the Lord. And when you hear that, you're wanting the best for them. You're willing to defend them. You're willing to take a whooping. Just Now, look, I'm going to ask you to not put yourself in that situation if you can avoid it. But if it comes down to it, we stand together. And I use that as a funny example. But the, the truth of it is when family is in trouble, we're all in trouble. And trouble meaning the trouble just means something stirred up. Right. It talks about the angel that would come and trouble the water. It just means stirred up when when things are stirred up for you. If we're family, it's stirred up for me. I'm, I'm not separate from that. I'm not over here to the side safe from it. I'm entering into it with you because that's what family does. That, that's devoted to one another in brotherly love. Christ is in us, in me, in you, and we're clinging to one another in what he has done. That, that's when it works that way, we're so much stronger, Right? When it doesn't work that way, you see, you, you see discord, you see division, you see infighting among ourselves. But how much grace and strength and reliability is there when we stand together, giving one another grace, bound together by the love that only comes from him? Amen. It's, it's a beautiful thing to know that you're not by yourself. And that's why he puts you in the body of Christ. So that you wouldn't be by yourself. Think about all the bad things that happen when you are off by yourself, especially in your heart and in your mind. How much more tempted are you when you're by yourself? So much more. Why? Because it feels like you're the only one. It's just about me and I'm the only one involved. We stand together. It's not a stranger, it's a family member. And we want to build and foster that relationship. That's the first part of verse 10. Then it says, outdo one another in showing honor. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. That one sounds kind of like a doozy. Sounds like a competition, doesn't it? Outdo one another in showing honor. Treat other believers as more important than ourselves. Just picture what that looks like when we get it right. Outdoing one another in showing honor. What a testimony that is and how how enjoyable it is to walk in that. Right. You go first. No, no, you go first. No, I'll get it. No, I'll get it. I mean, I've seen people fight over who's going to take out the trash. Not fight, you know, but argue like, no, let me do it. No, let me do it. Who's going to pay the check? I've seen them argue about it in a good way. I'm trying to learn, you know, most of our restaurants are Mexican restaurants. So I'm trying to learn how to say, I want to be the one to pay the check in Spanish. So I can sneak that in there. Right. I've been with people before. They do the trick like, I need to go to the bathroom. I need to go to the bathroom. And they come back and they've already paid. And you didn't even get a chance to fight about it. 
Like, man, they outdid me in showing honor. You just wait. I'm so going to outdo you next time. But it's, it's that good heart in, no, I want to do for you. I, I, I want to do for you. And that's what love is, right? Corinthians says love is not self-seeking. Love is not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. Like you'll quote if you come to overcomers. You'll confess that love is not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. Outdo one another and show an honor. And look, we start to get into this list like this, and you can be like, oh, gosh, okay, got to do that. Okay, I'm going to do that. Okay, I got to do that. And I always remind you, just take a deep breath. This is not a to-do list. Sounds like a to-do list. It's not a to-do list. This is a to-be list. It's a to-be list. And see, the good thing about it being a to-be list, you're like, it felt like you just ramped it up. I feel like you took it to a higher level. Now my anxiety is really getting high. It's a to-be list, but you are not the one capable of making yourself into something. That's what he does. And he will transform us into this image as we renew our mind, as we spend time with him, as we grow and as we mature in him. He's going to build this out. Amen. So while it is a to be list, we have to remember that he's the one that does it. He's the one that brings the transformation. We're not supposed to be conformed to the world. How does the world do it? The world is me first. Mine. You know, if I don't do it for myself, then nobody else is going to do it for me. So I got to get in there and fight. I got to take what I can get because no one's going to help me. It's all on me. I've got to do it or nobody's going to do it. Right. We know that's how the world works. Those are the thoughts of the world. But we're being transformed into the kingdom image. Where it's all the brethren saved, held together, strengthened by him. In him, I have what I need. In Christ, I have what I need. And so I don't have to worry about getting my portion. He is my portion. I don't have to worry about getting my piece of the pie. He is, he is my reward. He is. And in him, all the promises are yes and amen. I know he's going to take care of me. Not like the world says I need to be taken care of, but as he knows I need to be taken care of. And then that frees me up. I can prepare to serve in the greatest capacity and be willing to serve in the least capacity. I can be willing to serve in the smallest thing, even though I prepared to serve in the greatest. I'm willing to serve here. Why? Because it's not about me. It's not about me. My vision of life is shaped by what he said and not what the world says, because you talk about something that will make you tired. The world's vision of success in life will really make you tired. It will really make you tired. Outdo one another in showing honor. Verse 11, do not lack diligence in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Not lacking diligence in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And I love it. See in verse 9 and 10, it builds to verse 11. The love that he gives us, that we share together with one another, also, it, it doesn't just cause us to sit down and be quiet. There, there's a power and an activity that comes from that. 
We don't lack in diligence. We're, we're zealous. We're, we're excited. We're, we're ready. Why? Because we're in him fervent in spirit, running hot, serving the Lord. The love that he gives that we rest in brings power. It's not a weakness. Meekness isn't weakness. The love he gives us brings power. You would rather be slain in love than to win a fight in hate, wouldn't you? It brings true power. Second Timothy tells us that. I've been chewing on this one for the last week plus. Not that I didn't know it. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Pastor Chuck shared on that last Monday night. The spirit that comes from God that lives on the inside of you does not bring fear, but power and love and a sound mind. Power and love and a sound mind. Mind. He doesn't make us fearful, but gives us power. The love that he's calling us into, you're like, man, I'm just going to get run over. You can be the most, he's giving us power. His power looks different and it works better. Jesus said, the greatest commandment was what? Love the Lord your God. By your heart, soul, mind, strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as your Self. And what I'm pointing to here is that's what's going to lead you in your diligence and zeal, your fervency and spirit and sustain you while you're serving the Lord. I believe that when we start to lack that diligence in zeal, the fervency of the spirit is because we, we, we've turned that love in on ourselves. And or the world. We've started to let our love be flipped backwards where instead of loving out, we're wanting to love in. We're wanting to keep all of that for ourselves and do the things that the world say says will bring us happiness, joy, peace and satisfaction. And I'll remind you and I'll always remind you that you're never more miserable than when you make your life about you. When you make your life about you, you will always be the most miserable. Because it'll never be enough. It'll never go right enough. Nobody will ever treat you the way you think you need to be treated. They'll never say the right things. They'll never do the right things. You'll never be served enough, appreciated enough, loved enough. If you make life about you, you'll be miserable. Even if you find success in that mindset, you'll not be happy. You'll be afraid what that you'll lose it and you'll be hopeless because you got what you thought would do it and it didn't do it. Right? And and you just see that over and over and he knows that we're wired that way. He knows that we're wired that way and that's why he teaches us the better way. And I'm not saying you can't look forward to things. I'm not saying you can't plan for things. But when you hang your hope on something that you're going to do, you're going to fix in yourself. I'm going to do this and it's going to take me to here. Never does it. I've told you before, I'll tell you again, you, you could get it twice, three times, and it wouldn't be enough. Because that's the way the world works. And that's not what we've learned in Christ. 
He would ask us, who, who told you to aim for that? You were aiming for that and you were hanging your hope on it. Who told you to do that? That was not what I told you to do. He knows that we're wired to look that way, so he tells us what to put our hope in. You know, and it's the old dad quote or question, what happens when you use something the wrong way? Who remembers? What happens when you use something in a way it's not supposed to be used? Something's going to get broken or somebody's going to get hurt, right? Tell that to the kids all the time. If you're using that toy in a way it's not supposed to be used, you're either going to break it or you're going to hurt somebody or yourself. You know, guys, we know that with tools. I don't have this tool. Maybe this tool will work. That's not the way it's supposed to be used. Something probably going to get broken. Somebody's probably going to get hurt. And what I'm saying is we have a way based on how we were created that we are supposed to function. When we try to live or function differently, something's going to get broken. Somebody's going to get hurt. When you use something in a way it's not supposed to be used, somebody's going to get hurt. Something's going to get broken. You ever seen these videos of people at Planet Fitness? They've never been there before. They don't know how the exercise machine is supposed to be used. And they're like putting their head in a spot where their leg's supposed to go and they're trying to use it like this. And it's like, this is not going to, this is not going to go well. Right? And what are they doing? They're just like, I don't know, seem right to me. There wasn't a sign or any instruction. I'm just, it's like, they're upside down on something they're supposed to be right side up on. It's like, this is not, something's going to get broken. Somebody's going to get hurt. And when he's going through these things, like there's a way that life works and works so well that it's like, that it is worship to God. This is the way it's supposed to work. And it's going to be contrary to your instincts at first. It's going to be contrary to your thoughts at first. But that's why you keep getting around him so that you're not conformed to the ways of the world, but you're transformed into something else by the renewing of your mind so that you can know what his will is, what he's doing and what he's working in you and wants to work around you. Using things in a way that it's supposed to be used. And he just says, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Whenever the opportunity arises, serve the Lord. Do everything you do, Scripture says, as if you're serving Him and not the people that you're actually doing it for. Verse 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and be persistent in prayer. Rejoice in hope. Hope is not a wish. I hope so. It's going to get better tomorrow? I hope it does. Not that you can't say that, but that's not what hope is. It's not a wish. It's so much more when he talks about our hope in Christ. It's what he's already done that we're experiencing more and more of each day that's going to result in a final event at the end of time or the end of our time when it's fully realized the hope that we have in him. When the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our God, that full realization of Christ himself. He said, when you have nothing else to rejoice in, you rejoice in hope. Hope in him and his grace is the only ground that can hold us as individuals and also hold everything that we need forgiven of. It's his grace. Rejoice in hope. 
Find your joy in the hope that he's put before us. Just like Jesus, the hope that was for the hope that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And so we, for the hope set before us, can endure whatever is between us and him because we know where we're going and we're experiencing part of it now. And man, isn't it good? Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. There's going to be some time where we have to persevere. Where we have to press on. Where we've endured difficulty and we didn't quit. We remained. We didn't run off from him because things were going tough. We didn't run off from the body when things got difficult, but we listened to what the Savior said and we, we abide in him and let his words abide in us. We're patient or persevering in affliction. We endure. One of the definitions of that word was endure bravely and calmly. Affliction, difficulty, tribulation, Pressure that you endure the pressures of life bravely and calmly. Why? Because of how you're situated in him, in the body. I'm not alone. I'm not going to be crushed by this. I'm not going to make this scare me. I'm not going to let this scare me off and set me to run. And I'm going to persevere through this pressure, through the difficulty, because I know where my hope is. Because I have joy in him and be persistent in prayer. Rejoice in hope, patient in affliction, persistent in prayer, steadfast. Don't quit. Continuing in prayer. What? Talking to him. Well, what if I'm worried? Talk to him about it. What if I don't know what to do? Talk to him about it. He said, Paul wrote also Philippians four. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything and thank God for what he's already done. Don't worry. If you're if you're worried about it, it's time to pray about it and thank him for what he's already done. And then he says, then the peace of God will come and guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. That's the Philippians chapter four. Pray about everything and thank him for what he's already done. Take it to the Lord in prayer, thanking him for what he's already done. And again, how are we supposed to do this? Any of this? It's not a to do list. It's a to be list. How can I be this? Only in him, by him and for his glory. And again, he's called you to follow him. He's not called you to follow him by yourself. Right at night time. Romans 12. We may not yet be done. We may be coming back here. We'll see. But I think we've gone as far as we can go today. So, taking this passage and looking at it in context of what we've already talked about, He is changing us. He's changing us from glory to glory. You're not where you you're not where you're going to be, but you're not where you were. He's changing us. He's uniting us by the grace that he's given each one of us. And through the gifts that he's given us, which are diverse, he's, he's made this beautiful mosaic of people 
He's using us to bless one another and those who are outside as we walk together in unity by grace as a part of his kingdom, as a part of the body. And he's framed it up a certain way. He's like, don't come in here and try to make it just about you. You're going to be just as miserable trying to make it about you in the body as you were out in the world. Nowhere in there does he say, and make sure they treat you right. Make sure they respect you. Make sure they make sure somebody is serving. If you're serving them, somebody will be serving you. It doesn't say anything about what you need to look out for yourself, does it? It doesn't. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Genuine. Love one another. Be devoted to one another like you are, like you were flesh and blood family that was working the way family's supposed to work. Right? Because that can be one that throws us off too. Be like a family. Well, my family was terrible. <laughs> and that's not funny. But it, it is pointing out that you realize that your family was terrible. Which means you know there's a good and a right. You know there's a good and a right. And that wasn't your experience. But you know that it's there. And we know that we find it in Him. So we love one another as family, the family of God. Outdo one another in showing honor. Be diligent in zeal. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. And by grace, we rejoice in hope. We're patient, persevering in affliction or pressure. Why? Because we're not by ourselves. I can endure a whole lot more pressure when I got people with me going, we're going to be all right. We're going to make it through this. Everything's going to be okay. We got hope ahead of us. Don't quit. Don't give up. When I'm by myself, what am I tempted to do? I'm, I'm tempted to quit because I feel like it's just about me. Rejoice in hope, patient in affliction, persistent in prayer. I would challenge you as we go through this week, Romans chapter 12 isn't very long. Read it every day. Read it every day this week and think on those things. Think on how He's taken us, given us true Worship, not to be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. He, by His grace, has set us in the body with different gifts to accomplish something. And then here's how we're supposed to walk together. If you keep on reading past that, it's going to finish how we're supposed to walk together that I ran out of time to cover today. And also show how we're supposed to walk with people who are outside of us out in the world. What we're supposed to do. And it'll encourage you. It'll build you up. And it'll remind you, I hope, that you're not alone. You're not by yourself. He's called you to follow him and he's called us to do it together as a part of the body. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you again. Lord, you don't leave us wondering. You have made yourself known. You've revealed your character, your nature, your holiness. You've revealed to us our own sin and our need for Christ. And you have also shown very clearly the sufficiency that we find in him as believers for everything that we have need of. I thank you that as we learn more about what it is that you have done for us, in us, what you're doing in us right now to grow us up into the image of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you've joined us together in the body. Different as we are, you've put us together together. And you have made this beautiful body of Christ 
that though they're so different, functions together in love and honor and grace and mercy towards one another, winning those who are outside, converting those who were our enemies, as we'll read further in Romans 12, two brothers and sisters in the faith. And there is nothing else as beautiful as you and what you're doing. And Father, I thank you that for your encouragement today that our love would be without hypocrisy, that we will rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction and persistent in prayer. And as we read this this week, I thank you that you meet us there and you encourage us and you build us up. Lord, we pray for those that weren't able to be here with us today. We know we got some sick in their body, weak in their body, and I pray that you strengthen them, heal them. I thank you that you bring them safely back to us. I thank you that the spirit on the inside of them will sustain them even in physical weakness. And I thank you, Lord, you relieve them of that and return them to strength in Jesus' name. We agree on that and pray it together. And Lord, as we go into this week, I thank you that you go with us. We're not leaving you here. You go before us and shield our way. And you are our rear guard. You are all around us as we go through this week. We are not by ourselves. And I thank you that you minister life and health and peace to us as only you can. Help us to walk by faith, seeing the way that you see things. And I thank you that you haven't left us alone, but you've put us in the body. Lord, I thank you for the love that we have for one another and that you're going to continue to grow that in our relationships as we spend time together with one another, outdoing one another in honor. I thank you that all the glory will be yours. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.